0: Well, good evening, and thank you so much for joining with us. Uh, My name is Jared. I'm glad to be with you tonight, uh, virtually as we study the Word together. But before we jump in, uh, I just want to spend some time in prayer. So would you please join me? Lord, we look to you. Uh, Lord, you're our Savior. Lord, you are the one that created all things. You're the one that is redeeming all things back to yourself. And Lord, you're the one that will one day create a brand new heaven and a brand new earth for us to dwell in with You for all eternity. Lord, You're the one we want to focus on. You're the one that we want to hear from. And Lord, in the midst of all the things going through my own mind, the things that we're all distracted by, the things going on in the news or at work or at home, God, we just ask right now, would You please quiet our souls so that we can hear from You and focus on Your Word. Lord, we pray that you would please be moving and working in the midst of our church body here during this time. Lord, that you would be moving and working in the midst of our county as so many people are frustrated or scared or lonely. God, we pray that you would be spreading your gospel, your good news in the midst of this time. Lord, we pray for the political leaders here in our county, Lord, here in California, Lord, nationwide, Lord, for all of the leaders worldwide that are all dealing with what's going on. Lord, we pray that you would continue to use them for your glory and for your kingdom. No matter if they recognize you as king and lord or not. Lord, we pray that you would let your will be done. And Lord, we thank you that you are on the throne. You are in control. And, Lord, we ask that you would give us the faith that we need to continue to focus on you, to hear from you. Lord, we lift up those in, in, our, in our fellowship here that are suffering, that are sick, Lord, that are lonely. God, we pray that you would comfort them. Lord, that you would bless them. Lord, that you would help us to be your church, your hands and your feet during this time. And, Lord, we just give you this night. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 18 tonight. And tonight's message is entitled, Made Perfect in the Flesh? that's a question. Now, if you've been with us, you know that the book of Galatians is a letter that was written by Paul to a region called Galatia it was a province in Rome the Roman Empire and there in Galatia there were several cities that Paul and Barnabas had traveled to and preached the gospel to and in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 Paul gave us his reason for writing this letter he said I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel You see, the Galatians had believed in Jesus. They trusted in Him as their Savior. They recognized that He was the one that made them perfect because of His death and resurrection. And yet afterwards, these churches in Galatia were being hoodwinked by false believers, by Jews who were coming and saying, yeah, believing in Jesus is great, but if you want to stay saved, if you want to stay in God's favor, then here's what you need to do. Here's the works that you need to do to complete what Jesus has started. And so the problem here is that the Galatians were trying to do good works and they believed that those good works that they were now being led to do, they thought they affected their righteousness before Jesus, before God. And so this was Paul's concern, that they were turning away from the true gospel to a false gospel. The true gospel, which says we're saved by faith in Jesus. The false gospel is anything else, including the idea that we're saved by faith in Jesus and by obeying the law, or we're saved by faith in Jesus and anything else. There's no and. It's just Jesus. It's His work alone. Paul said to the Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, he says, "...I have been crucified with Christ." It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, Paul had attempted to please God through the law. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a leader. And he tried to please God through his works. And yet when he realized that Jesus was the Son of God and Jesus had paid for Paul's sin on the cross and Jesus had risen again, Paul says, I put my faith in Jesus. And in that moment, I was crucified with Christ. All of my works, my attempts to please the Lord based on my good stuff, that died with Christ. Because now I live in Him. I live by the work that Jesus did on my behalf. And I live because He now lives inside of me. And so now Paul says in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, he says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. This is key, and we talked about this last week with Pastor Don. How Paul was saying here if there was any other way for mankind to be saved from their sin, then Jesus' death on the cross was useless, it was pointless, it was in vain. You see, even Jesus himself prayed when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus prayed, O oh my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus prayed saying, Lord, if there's any other way to save mankind other than me going to the cross and me bearing the weight of the world, the sins of the world on me, Then let's do that other way. But Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And so Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't want to bear our sin. He didn't want to be separated from the Father in that moment. And yet he was still willing to do so because it was the only way. It is the only way for us to be saved. You see, there is no other gospel. And yet the Galatians were turning away from the true gospel and turning to a false gospel. Now, before we get into Galatians chapter 3, I want to ask a few questions for us tonight. And I just want you to be thinking about them uh, in your head. Which man is more righteous? Is it the man that's been saved for 60 years? Or is it the man that got saved last night? Which man is more righteous? Is it the man that spends three hours in prayer every day? Or is it the man that prays only three minutes every day? Which man is more righteous? Is it the one who by the grace of God has been delivered from his struggle with pride and he's now a humble man? Or is it the man who still struggles with his pride? Which of these are more righteous in your eyes, in your sight? And the answer to all of these is neither of them are more righteous. Because if we've put our faith in Jesus, then we've been made righteous. You see, there's, there's no percentage of righteous. There's no, well, today I'm 68% righteous. Tomorrow I hope to be 70%. Uh, la- yesterday I was only 40% righteous. There's no percentages when it comes to righteousness. You're either righteous or you're not. And we're going to talk about that today as Paul gets into it in chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. We go back to the basics. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul says... O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So chapter 3 starts off with this rebuke. And we know from Paul's other letters that he's written, we know Paul's heart. We know that his desire was not to smack him in the face and belittle them, but Paul's heart in calling them foolish was for the Galatians to wake up. Because Paul recognized what a serious issue it is for them to be turning away from the true gospel. And so Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, to wake them up and for them to hear that rebuke and to say, wow, maybe I need to get right, maybe I need to change here. And so Paul says, you were clearly taught the significance of Jesus' death on the cross, his crucifixion and his resurrection from the dead. I taught that to you when I came to your cities. Now, why are you forgetting that? Why are you forgetting the basics? Verse 2, Paul says, This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see, the moment that we put our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell inside of us. We are born again. And so Paul asks, when you first got saved, were you saved by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the answer is it was by faith. You see, we're all saved the same way. We hear what God has done on our behalf. We hear that we are guilty of our own sin. And we hear that if we, could only, if we only believe in Him and trust in Him, then we'll be saved. And so hearing the good news, we then put our faith in that news and say, Lord, I'm trusting in You to get me to heaven. I can't get myself there. I can't save myself. I can't try to let my good outweigh my bad so that I can become a believer and be saved. Lord, it's only you. So I'm trusting in you. And Paul is saying, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's by faith. It's not by obeying the law. And yet the Galatians, they've already become believers in Christ. They've trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's inside of them. And yet now they're tricked into thinking that now they must grow into spiritual maturity by obeying the law. They've been duped into trying to complete a work that Jesus said was already finished on the cross. And so verse 3, Paul continues and he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Having been born again by God's grace, by faith, do we now grow into mature believers by obeying a list of do's and don'ts? You see, what began by grace through faith must continue by grace through faith. It's very tempting to think that our works can affect our spiritual status. We live in a world where everything around us is affected by our works, by our blood, sweat, and our tears. It all depends on our effort. And yet Jesus came and He told us, you can't do the work for your salvation because you're already guilty. You've already fallen short. The law can't save you. Instead, believe in Me, Jesus says, and rest in My work. Be born in the Spirit. And so, since we began our relationship with Jesus through grace, Paul says we must continue that relationship with Jesus through grace. It's always about grace. It started with grace. It continues with grace. It'll end with grace. Now, verse 4. Paul says, Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? You see, as Paul and Barnabas had taken their missionary journey up through the regions of Galatia, visiting these different cities, they preached the gospel to both the Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews and the non-Jews. And many people believed in the gospel, and they became those churches in Galatia that Paul's writing to now. We read in Acts chapter 13, verse 43. It says, Now when the congregation had broken up, Many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. I like how that's put. And especially as we're now in the book of Galatians, this letter being written back to those churches, we see how even from the beginning Paul and Barnabas were trying to teach them we must continue in the grace of God. And yet, although many people believed In the word, in the gospel, there were many who did not believe. And especially those of the Jews who did not believe, they saw these new Christians as Jews who were turning away from the law of Moses. Jews who were forsaking their God. And so they took it upon themselves to persecute the early church, to persecute these new believers in the regions of Galatia. And yet, as time has gone on, it seems that the major attack is not coming externally as they're being persecuted physically, but the attacks are now coming internally as these unbelieving Jews have snuck into the churches in Galatia and they're now whispering these, these ideas, Hey, we believe in Jesus, that's great, but you've got to continue in the law. Don't continue in grace, but continue in the law. Go back to the law if you really want to be a devout follower of Christ. And so what was external is now internal. And these false believers have now attacked the church in a significant way. And Paul says, you suffered so many things in the beginning because you continued in grace. But now as you're turning away from the true gospel and you're going back to the law, then you're saying all those persecutions, the sufferings from before, they don't mean anything. We're throwing those away because we're going back to the law. Paul says, don't do that. Don't do that. Verse verse 5. Paul says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see, while Paul and Barnabas were there in the region of Galatia, there were many miracles that the Lord did through their hands as they were there. And the Galatians saw people healed. They saw miracles happen with their very eyes. And Paul says, When the Lord worked miracles among us, did God do miracles because we obeyed the law so well? Because we sacrificed and we obeyed the law to a T and therefore God showed up and miracles happened? No. You see, God's miracles that He performed there in Galatia were by His grace. And they're still by His grace. It's not by the law. Verse 6, Paul continues, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him... For righteousness. So, Paul now brings up Abraham, who's the father of all Jews. Paul quotes from Genesis chapter 15, and at this point in Abraham's story, Abraham's already been called by God to leave the land of his fathers and go to the land that God would show him, that God would bless Abraham and all of his descendants. And yet, here in chapter 15, Abraham still doesn't have any descendants, he doesn't have any children. In fact, Right now, Abraham's plan is to give all of his wealth and things to his chief servant. Because he has no children. And so in Genesis chapter 15, God speaks to Abraham in verses 4 through 6. And it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one, speaking about Abraham's servant, This one shall not be your heir, But one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And God said to Abraham, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So God told Abraham, Look, this servant of yours, he's not going to be your heir. I'm going to give you a son from your own body. I'm going to give you a son, even in your old age. And through him, through that son of promise, through him, your descendants, Abraham, will be innumerable as the stars in the sky. And then it says Abraham believed God's promise. Nothing had changed yet. Abraham simply heard God's promise. And in that moment, Abraham said, all right, Lord, let's do it. I believe you. I trust in you. I trust that what you say will come to pass. And because Abraham believed God's word, God says that he accounted it to him, accounted it to Abraham for righteousness. This means that God considered Abraham righteous or perfect or worthy to go to heaven. Not because Abraham was good, not because he was without sin, not because Abraham earned it, but because Abraham believed in God's word, trusted that God would do what he said he would. You see, We're all saved the same way. Those of us here in the New Testament days, in the the day of the church, we get to look back at what Jesus has done. And by faith, we're trusting that God will provide for us to go to heaven through the sacrifice we look back to. The saints in the Old Testament, before Jesus' death and resurrection, they're saved the same way. They weren't saved by obeying the law, but they are saved by looking forwards, to what God would do, looking forward to God providing for them a way to enter into heaven with Him. Not because they were good, but because God is good. We're all saved the same way. And Paul's point here in verse 6 is Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham wasn't saved by the law. Abraham was saved by believing in God through faith in Him. And so verse 7, Therefore, Paul says, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. You see, for many Jews, they looked at themselves and they said, Well, I'm a Jew. I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm good. I know that I'm in God's favor because I am a Jew. And yet Paul is telling them, not so. You see, those who have faith like Abraham, those who have faith in God and His Word, and his provision, those are the true sons and daughters of Abraham. You see, it's not so much about physical DNA, it's about spiritual DNA. And so it doesn't matter if you were born a Jew or born a Gentile, what matters is if you have put your faith in God and His Word. And if you have, Paul says, you're a son or a daughter of Abraham, and you're a partaker of the promise. Verse 8, Paul says, "...and the Scripture..." Foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you, Abraham, all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. You see, God's initial promise to Abraham is found in Genesis chapter twelve. And there in verse three, we read part of that promise that God gave to Abraham. It says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Paul is clarifying for us. You see, it wasn't all of the families through Abraham will be blessed because they'll be Jewish. No, not so. All of the families of the earth, not just the Jews, but the Jews and Gentiles, all families of the earth, will be blessed through Abraham because from Abraham would come the Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, who would come and take the sin of the world upon his shoulders and pay our debt on our behalf. That is why all the families of the earth are blessed through Abraham, because they now have a chance to believe in Jesus, to receive the gift of salvation and have eternal life because of what Jesus has done. And so if we want to be included in this blessing of Abraham, we believe in Jesus. And we're a son or daughter of Abraham. We're lumped into that blessing that God promised to Abraham. And now Paul continues this thought in the next section. Verses 10 through 14, we read, Living by faith, not by the law. Paul says in verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse for it is written cursed is every one who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them you see those that seek to be justified by the law they forget that there's only two kinds of people there are those who keep the whole law perfectly well only jesus qualifies there And on the other side, there's those that keep the law imperfectly. And that's everyone else. And yet, there are many who try to look at the law and say, Well, I'm doing a lot better than he is. I look better than she does. And they use the law to compare themselves with others. And they say, I'm doing pretty good. I feel good about myself. And yet, they forget that's not what the law is for. The law is to show us that there is God and there's all of us. All of us guilty. God is the only one innocent. You see, it's like trying to get to Hawaii by jumping off the pier in California. Some of us are going to jump farther than others. Some of us might make it a few extra feet, but all of us are going to fall significantly short of making it to Hawaii. And that's Paul's point. Paul says, look, it doesn't matter if some of us have obeyed more law than others. We've all fallen short of perfection. We've all fallen short of Hawaii. James says it this way, In James chapter 2, verse 10, For whoever shall keep the whole law, and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Paul continues now in verse 11. Paul says, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, or it's clear, for the just shall live by faith. Paul says, Scripture already told us this. In fact, Scripture in the Old Testament told us this. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, it says, But the just shall live by his faith. And so Paul says, Scripture already told us if we want to be just or justified in God's eyes, we must live by faith. The Scripture doesn't tell us to be justified by living by the law. Then Paul continues in verse 12, Yet, The law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Because Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life, He was not under the curse of the law. He was perfect. And yet, even though He was innocent, even though He was perfect he was then lifted up on the cross and he bore the sin of the world and he took our punishment upon himself and he was put to death and then he rose again. And because Jesus did that, he fulfilled the law. He paid for the curse of the law so that you and I, who couldn't keep the law perfectly, you and I who are guilty and sinners, we can now look to Jesus and say, Lord, you've saved me. You've given me eternal life. And that's what Christ has done for us. He has redeemed us. Verse 14, That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Jews, Gentiles, it doesn't matter. We all alike have can come and be partakers of God's blessing to Abraham because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We put our faith in Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit inside of us and we are His. Now in verses 15 through 18 we read about God's unchanging covenant. Paul says in verse 15, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, Yet, if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. So, Paul's now using the example of an earthly covenant, or an earthly agreement, or an earthly will. See, after the papers have been signed, you can't change the agreement. It's been finalized. We have a certain honor and respect for legal documents. And yet, why would God, after making His legal document or His covenant with Abraham, why would He then change it later? No, God has more honor than we do. And so if we can honor a legal document, we know that God can certainly honor his agreement with Abraham. And that's what Paul is saying. Look at verse 16. He says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, And to seeds, as of many, but as of one, And to your seed, who is Christ. So Paul's looking back in those verses in Genesis where it talks about God's covenant and promises to Abraham. And God would say things like, "...and to you, Abraham, and your seed." But he didn't say, "...and to your seeds." And Paul saw that as significant. Paul says, "...even there in God's promise to Abraham, God knew and Scripture was speaking not of Abraham and all of the Jews, but Abraham and the one Jew, Jesus." Him. Jesus is the one who is the partaker of the covenant, and it's through Jesus that we can all become partakers of that covenant. Verse 17, Paul says, and this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. You see, God gave his covenant to Abraham, his promise to Abraham and his seed, singular. And then hundreds of years later, God gave a different covenant to Moses and the Israelites, the covenant of the law, which in a nutshell said, if you obey my laws, I will bless you. If you break my laws, I will remove my hand of blessing. But that covenant of the law, that didn't change God's covenant with Abraham. It didn't change his blessings to Abraham and his seed. And that's Paul's point. Because here the Galatians were listening to the the Judaizers and they were hearing, well, we need to obey the law. That's how we honor God. That's how we become partakers of the Abrahamic covenant. And Paul says, not so. The covenant was already finished. It was finalized. It was signed by God himself. And so it doesn't matter what God had brought later to help the Israelites. God already established it. Now, we look back at verse 18. Paul says, For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. Paul says, If we can partake in, the inheritance of Abraham, become heirs of Abraham in that covenant by obeying the law, then it's no longer a promise or a gift. You see, if we have to work for it, it's no longer a gift. It's a paycheck, right? We've earned it. We deserve it. And yet, Paul says, but it was a promise. It was a gift by grace. We don't earn it. We can't earn it. We can't be deserving of it. God promised this blessing by grace alone. Now, I confess I have struggled with truly understanding God's grace in the past. In the past, I knew I was saved, but I still felt like I needed to obey the law to be righteous. You see, there were days where I read my Bible, days that I fasted, days that I prayed for for a long time, and I felt righteous on those days. There were other days where I gave in to temptation and I sinned. Days that I neglected to open up my Bible. Days I neglected to pray. And on those days, boy, I felt dirty. I felt unrighteous. And then one day I came across a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. And I so encourage you to turn there in your Bibles and make sure these verses are underlined or highlighted or starred because they're so important. Verse 12 starts off, and it says, But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And that last verse, 14, is really what hit me. It struck me to my heart. Because he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Who are those who are being sanctified? Well, it's us. It's the church. Anyone who's believed in Jesus, we are those who are being sanctified. And it says, for by the one offering, Jesus on the cross, through that work, he, Jesus, has perfected us forever. We've been perfected. And so, suddenly I read that verse and I realized... Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus has been stamped, we've been marked perfect forever. You see, we could spend days, weeks, and months locked in our closets only reading scripture and praying to the Lord. And as spiritual as that sounds, we could come out and unlock the door and come out later and we're no more righteous than we were the moment we went in to our closet. We could tonight stumble in our sin and given the temptation and in, the, in that moment of failure, we're no less righteous, we're no less perfect because we've already been perfected forever. You see, if you are living your life based on the law, your righteousness is based on what you can do for the Lord rather than on what He has already done for you. If your righteousness is based on what you can do for God, then your life is full of a list of do's and don'ts to keep close to God. Before long, your, your walk with the Lord, it's going to become burdensome. It's going to become heavy because it's based on your strength to say no to sin and based on your strength to say yes to the spiritual disciplines. That's a lifestyle of obligation and guilt. But Jesus said, come unto me. All you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. That's the type of rest that Jesus is talking about. Rest from the burden of us trying to uphold the law of do's and don'ts. Rest from us trying to attain a righteousness we can never reach. Jesus says, I came to give you rest. Rest in me. Rest in my work. Because it's finished. It's been completed. Have you been there? trying to attain a righteousness you can never quite live up to? Are you there now where on days you feel like you did good spiritually, you feel more righteous? And on days you blow it, you feel less righteous? Well, Paul would say to you, he would say to all of us, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? God has made you Perfectly righteous through His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection. It's finished. So I read that passage and it struck me to my heart and I was so relieved. I felt the weights lifted off my shoulders because I realized that my righteousness before Christ has already been completed. I'm righteous. I'm perfect because of Him. Now you would think I would have finally gotten it. Now I understand God's grace. But I still struggled. You see, I struggled with this idea of law versus grace in another area. Not so much in my righteousness before Jesus, but I struggled with this idea of law versus grace when it came to the realm of God's gifts and His blessings. The things that He gives me here on this earth. I struggled with this idea that, man, if I just pray and I read my Bible, if I fast, if I serve at church, then God will bless me because I've earned his blessing I deserve his earthly blessing one example I confess I spent 40 hours fasting and praying for a girlfriend I said Lord it's 40 hours that's a spiritual number right Lord look at my sacrifice look at how much I love you now please miracle upon miracles can you give me a girlfriend and see I didn't realize that at the time but I was trying to manipulate God I was trying to become worthy of His blessings. And I could never be worthy. You see, the only thing that we deserve is punishment in hell. Judgment. When God blesses us, whether it's the gift of salvation, or it's blessing us with a godly spouse, or it's blessing us with a nice, juicy cheeseburger, His blessings are only because He is good, not because we are. And that's the next point on the screen there. He blesses us because He is good, not because we are. This idea of grace, if we can understand it, if we can rest in God's grace, it will change our lives. It will change our relationship with Jesus. Now, one final thought. Someone might say, well, if my righteousness before Jesus and Him blessing me here on this earth and for eternity all depend on His goodness and not mine, well then I can live however I want. I can give in to my sinful desires and do what I feel like because God is gracious, right? No. We read in Romans chapter 6, Paul tells us in verse 6, Knowing this, that our old man, our flesh, was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, by believing in Jesus, we have died to our sin. We're no longer in bondage. We're no longer a slave to our sin. Then Paul goes on in Romans chapter 6. In verses 12 through 14, I'm going to read the New Living Translation. Paul says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve in. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You see, what Paul is trying to say is that reading your Bible, spending time in prayer, trying to avoid sin, those things do not change your righteousness or change God blessing you. But we should still do those things because we love the Lord. We do those things as a response of already being saved, not as a means in order to be saved. We do those things as a response of God's love for us and his blessing us, not as a means to be blessed by God. You see, it's very different for us to read our Bibles because we're obligated or for us to read our Bibles because we want to. The former is a burden, the latter is a blessing. Once again, it's a difference of law versus grace. You see, the last point here. The law tries to conform us. It tries to squeeze us into a mold and change our works on the outside. But grace, grace transforms us, changing our hearts from the inside out. I ask you tonight, are you trying to conform your life by the law to attain a righteousness you'll never measure up to? Are you trying to jump to Hawaii? You'll never measure up. Take off the burden. Take off the weight. Die to your flesh. And be dead to the law by believing in Jesus. By taking on His burden, which is light. Because Jesus gives us grace. He says, you'd never make it. So I made it there for you. All you have to do Is believe in me. Trust in me. Maybe you've never made that decision in your life. I encourage you. May now be that time. Where you put your trust in Jesus. No longer trying to earn your way. But saying Lord. You've paid my way. By your blood. Maybe you're already saved. But you've been trying to perfect. Your Christian walk. And you've been putting back on. That backpack of burdens. Of the law trying to earn god's pleasure take it off because having begun by the spirit we now continue by the spirit let's pray lord we thank you that you've done the work that we never could lord we thank you that you came and fulfilled law the law and you took the curse of the law upon yourself Lord, I thank you that for any and all who have believed in you, trusted in you as our Savior, Lord, we've become sons and daughters of the promise made to Abraham, all because of your goodness. Lord, we are heaven bound, not because we've earned it, but because you've done the work. Lord, I thank you that you've perfected us forever through that one sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that though we stumble and fall, thank you, Lord, for the days that we do well and we we seek you, we seek your face, we worship you and we serve you, we love you and we love others. And yet, Lord, whether it's a good or a bad day in our eyes, Lord, you look at us and you say, you've been perfected forever. Thank you, Lord, for completing that work. Thank you, Lord, that that work is finished for all eternity. Now, Lord, would you give us the grace that we need so that we can be your church that loves you, that serves you, and that loves this world as a response of being saved. That we obey you out of a love for you, no longer as a burden trying to please you. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your night. We'll see you next time.